Welcome to the Boom Boom Performance Podcast, your resource for science-based training and nutrition, data-driven coaching, and education-focused content. Before we get into this podcast, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to listen and learn with me so that you can apply what you are about to learn, take my strategies, use these tools, and finally have some serious methods to see sustainable success with your physique, your mind, and your life. This podcast was built on the foundation of applied education, and I'm excited for you to be here so you can have that experience with me. Now, without any further ado, let's get on to the show. Today, we are going to talk all things protein. So first and foremost, uh, before we get into this episode, I just want to say sorry. I want to apologize for the haggard voice you were about to listen to. <laughs> um, I mean, to put it completely blunt, I got hit with the freight train this week when it comes to being sick. Um, I'm recording this on Thursday, uh, October 3rd, and on Monday... Right after dinner, I started getting woozy and feeling body fatigue. By that night, I had cold sweats. The next day, I was just, I couldn't even talk. My voice was so thrashed. Um, I spent all day Tuesday and Wednesday just kind of bedridden, um, taking Epsom salt baths, eating lots of, lots of fruit and produce and drinking tons of tea and just laying in bed and doing some like laptop work. So it's been a hell of a week. Um, I had to actually cancel some podcast interviews. Um, but I'm finally feeling up to par enough today to record some stuff. So you are going to hear a slightly haggard voice, um, not my normal voice, but the content is going to be great as always. Um, and what I have in store for you today is all about protein. So today we're going to dive deep into protein, which I'm going to get into here in a sec. But before I do, I just want to make a quick reminder, guys, that I've been getting a ton of amazing feedback on the podcast lately and a lot of new listeners, a lot of people sharing it on their Instagram. And I, I really just want to say thank you. I cannot tell you enough how much it means to me. And it, it really is a blessing to be able to do this because I love creating content and I love coaching. Like if there's two things I know best, two things that I'm like born to do, it's creating content. So educating people and coaching. So delivering results. And I love those things. I'm obsessed with those things, literally. So the fact that you guys are listening to this podcast makes me so happy. But the fact that you guys are listening, applying what I am teaching, and then you're sharing it with others, like that means the world to me. So I just want to say thank you from the bottom of my heart. So if you're out there sharing it on on your story um, and I see it, I'm, I'm going to respond back to you. I have been responding back to you guys. Um, I've been sharing them on my story. I just want you to know that I really do appreciate it. Um, I can't say that with conviction inside of a DM. So when I DM you back and I say, thank you for sharing, like it, it means more than those words really do mean um, in a text form. So just want to say thank you. If you are sharing it, please keep doing so. If you're not sharing it, please start doing so. Um, if you haven't yet, please go leave me a five-star rating and review on iTunes. That's how we continue to grow this podcast on iTunes specifically. And that means a lot to me in the growth of this show. So I'm going to keep doing what I do just to make sure that you guys are learning and that's what this is all about. So just wanted to Give that quick thank you, that quick shout out, that quick plug before we get into the podcast. And now, without any further ado, let's talk about protein. All right. So before we talk about protein specifically, I just want to shout out to a 
blog that I wrote a while back. Uh, I, I know there's a lot of people that listen to this podcast that enjoy written content as well. I know I'm one of those people. There's times in my day where I prefer quiet and I don't want to listen to anybody. I actually just want to read. So if you like reading and you want to read The Ultimate Protein Guide, I would suggest heading over to the Boom Boom Performance blog, which I'm going to link in the show notes of the podcast so you can actually read and get the written uh, content version of this podcast. But the reason I wrote that blog and the reason I'm recording this podcast is is really because I, I feel like protein is a highly debated, greatly misunderstood um, it's, it, topic in general. I mean, the idea of protein goes so many different ways. For one, it's overconsumed by many gym rats and, and classic old school bodybuilders. I know I was there at one point. And it's vastly underconsumed by the general population. Um, and it comes to no surprise that a balance is needed, right? But it's crazy because there's these different ends of the spectrum. And not only are there these different ends of the spectrum in, in the terms of what people are actually consuming, but what people are actually preaching. There's a lot of people who are fear-mongering, uh, telling you you're going to get cancer, or you're going to have digestive stress, or your gut's going to go to shit if you consume too much protein, or that it's dangerous for your kidneys, so on and so forth. And the reality is that's just not true, and we're going to dive into that today. Um, but there's also people who are preaching that you need so much protein in order to grow, and that's not true either. Like The more protein, the more muscle. Like That, that equation just doesn't add up. So because of that, and because it's a topic I, just, I get asked about every single week by followers on Instagram, emails, uh, questions for the podcast... Um, so on and so forth. I get asked this question and this topic so many times. And it's actually one of my favorite topics because it's such a vital and important macronutrient. Um, so it's pretty easy to talk about. I mean, again, it, it's there's so many different ends of the spectrum with it. And although I don't think you need that much, but I do think you need enough and I think there's this balance, so on and so forth. And I'm kind of in this gray area. I do still believe it's probably the most important macronutrient that you can consume. And I'm going to dive into why today. But before we get into all that, here's the reality. Here's the summary. Here's the cliff notes of what you need to know. Protein is critical for many human processes. So neglecting it can be detrimental to your health and physical progress, period. Not all proteins are created equal. So the type you consume is actually just as important to consider when focusing on body composition changes. Eating 0.7 grams per pound is enough, but most likely subpar or less than ideal. Eating above 1.2 grams per pound of body weight is not dangerous whatsoever, but doesn't show added benefits by any means to muscle mass in most cases, and I will dive into the minutia of that soon. When dieting in a caloric deficit, you may benefit from raising protein higher than your normal intake, like I just mentioned above. That's one of those caveats. When massing, so trying to gain size, you're going through a gaining phase and you're in a caloric surplus, it makes sense to bring protein down to the lower end of the range because carbs and fats will be slightly higher and they are protein sparing. Now, we've laid out the cliff notes. We understand the gist of it. So let's start the bulk of this podcast. Let's dive into the meat and potatoes. First off, by defining what protein actually is, because I think it's pretty important to truly understand what you're consuming. Uh, be that you are a serious lifter, an athlete, or just the average garage gym meathead like myself looking to get as jacked as possible while living a normal life. No matter who you are, if you're listening to this or participating in any nutritional protocol, you should be educating yourself on the what, why, and how of everything. Without educating yourself first, you will not understand how this will work for you long term, and more importantly, you will not be as consistent in the short term. 
This is why inside of our nutrition coaching, we prioritize education so much. This is why I do this podcast. This is why I write blogs. If you do not understand the education, if you don't know the what, the why, the how behind the method, you are not going to have as much belief and buy-in in the process. If you don't trust the process, you're not going to stay consistent. If you're not staying consistent, you're not going to get results. So I just want to double down on that. You shouldn't think about how much protein you should take in before you understand what protein is. That's, that's what I'm trying to get at here. So protein, let's, di- let's define this literally. The definition of protein is any one class of nitrogenous organic compounds that consist of large molecules composed of one or more long chains of amino acids and are essential part of living organisms, especially as a structural component of body tissue such as muscle, hair, collagen, etc., and as enzymes and antibodies. So now, <laughs> for all the people re- listening to this who aren't scientists or geeks like me or, or don't prefer to literally read out of a textbook because that's the literal definition of a protein, let's talk about what matters for body composition. <laughs> I assume most people listening to this are more interested in getting lean, building muscle, or changing their performance, and that's what we're going to dive into. Protein is a macronutrient that contains four calories per gram, meaning if you consume 100 grams of protein, you consume... 400 calories. Protein is an essential nutrient, which means you cannot survive without consumption of it on a daily basis for extended periods of time. This is why it's glamorized so much, rightfully so, and people tend to lean on it as a crux in any nutritional protocol. It's primarily found in animal sources. More advice on where to find this later in the podcast and in which ones I recommend specifically, but it is mainly found in animal sources, but can also be found inside of sources like nuts, legumes, plants, so on and so forth. Protein as a molecule is made up of amino acids, which are known as the building blocks of protein. They literally make up protein. So you can't really have protein without amino acids. And it's kind of like macros and calories because within calories, there are macros and you can't have calories without having macros. Now, it's kind of different, but it might help you kind of associate the fact that you can't have one without the other. Within these, there are 21 amino acids in total, but only nine are considered essential. This does not mean that the rest aren't important. In fact, they are very important, and a lot of times those essential amino acids do not function as well or create as much benefit or advantages without the rest. So it doesn't mean they're not important. This just means that they are essential for consumption because your body and cells can't produce them, so we must consume them. Within these amino acids, there are three common ones sold inside BCA supplementations. These are isoleucine, leucine, and valine. The reason these are often secluded for supplementation is because these three have the greatest effect on muscle protein synthesis, specifically leucine. And this is where we get that spike in muscle protein synthesis, which allows more uh, anabolism to go into effect, essentially growth or rebuilding of tissue, recovery of tissue. Only issue here is that many studies allude to the fact that even these BCAs work much better when in combination with all the essential nine amino acids, which makes consuming EAAs or whey protein possibly more advantageous. It used to be greatly up to a debate, but it's, I think it's becoming more and more apparent that it's just better to have whole food protein or whey protein or full spectrum aminos, um, essential amino acids. That's why EAA products are becoming more popular. Um, and there's a lot of intra-workout supplementation studies where they have, they're consuming carbs and essential amino acids, and they're much more favorable. Um, so I do think that BCAs are on the decline and EAAs are on the incline. Uh, but at the end of the day, 
eat real food, get your protein from real food sources, and I think you're going to be better off. So now that we understand what protein is in its truest form, let's get on to the applicable stuff. I want to first break down why you need to be consuming more protein, going over the main benefits of consuming enough protein, period. Then we will finish off by going over some specific calculations for you to leave this podcast with so you can apply what you've learned today and actually start seeing better results pretty much immediately. So the first topic of discussion is muscle mass growth slash retention. Protein is the foundation for muscle tissue. In fact, muscle tissue in a way is protein, literally. Muscles are made up of two types of filaments, actin and myosin, which are both proteins. Like all proteins, they are made up of amino acids that are linked together. A good way to think of this is to picture protein like a wall with all the amino acids being bricks. If you want to build up the wall, you need the bricks. Just like if you want to build muscle, you need amino acids or protein. Because of this, there have been countless studies to show that protein is necessary for the act of building muscle tissue. So when looking at changing your physique, whether you want body fat loss or muscle mass growth or realistically even performance enhancement because it takes protein in order to build muscle and therefore strength slash work capacity, you just need to intake enough protein. It's, it's a requirement, period. There's no debate on that. When we push harder into fat loss, it actually becomes more critical to have enough because you cannot maintain muscle mass without taking in enough protein, specifically when you are in a caloric deficit because you lose quite a bit. In fact, studies will actually show that muscle protein synthesis increases in dieting individuals who increase protein levels just above a typical dose of one gram per pound. This means that the anabolic response in individuals' muscle is more likely to occur when following a high protein intake, which is a very important aspect when striving to build or maintain muscle during a cut. What studies have also shown is that supplementing with a protein source pre and post workout results in maintaining more muscle mass and gaining more strength during a caloric deficit compared to a group only consuming carbohydrates. This is definitely an argument for consuming both, explained in uh, the carb podcast that we just recently did, which I'll link in the show notes, but the fact doesn't change that protein needs to be a staple. They have also shown satiety to be higher, meaning you're going to be more full and stay satiated for longer, making a deficit more manageable, consistency to be easier, and stress and fatigue to be lower in individuals dieting while following a higher protein approach. So what all this essentially means is that regardless of your physical goal, be that performance, muscle mass, strength, fat loss, following a higher protein diet is going to be beneficial for your muscle tissue. We'll get into like the weeds of exactly how much protein that is later on in the podcast, but the point being for this first section of muscle mass growth and retention is that A, you need protein in order to grow. It's literally the building blocks for your muscle. And B, the bigger the deficit is, the harder you are pushing for fat loss, the more aggressive your your caloric deficit is, the harder it is to maintain muscle because you're in an energy sparing standpoint. You're in a scarcity standpoint from a body physiologically essentially. And what this means is that muscle protein synthesis will naturally be lower. Your body is going to rely on those proteins more, and it's going to be easier for your body to break down muscle tissue while in a deficit. That's why the art of bodybuilding is such a great science. Some will argue that really the best bodybuilders are just the best at maintaining as much muscle mass as possible during a fat loss phase. That's really the art of it. If you can get as lean as possible while maintaining muscle mass, you were going to be better off. And that's one of the keys in this is actually increasing protein as you go into a deficit. So 
although you only need, let's say, 0.8 grams per pound to have as much muscle as possible, it might be advantageous to go higher, 1 gram, 1.1, 1.2. Some people will even go all the way up to 1.5 grams per pound during a big deficit in order to maintain as much muscle tissue as possible while they cut. We're going to dive into that a little bit more and specifically, but I wanted to kind of lay this foundation of like, you're not going to retain or grow any muscle mass unless protein is a staple in your day. Next, we have TEF, thermic effect of food. One very well-known benefit to protein is that the thermic effect of food is higher than any other macronutrient. Most accurate research discusses DIT when they talk about this or diet-induced thermogenesis, but nonetheless, they're pretty much the same thing. Protein has a thermic effect of food of 20 to 30%, whereas carbs sit at about 5 to 10% and fats stay up between 0 to 3%. This essentially means we burn more of what we consume in caloric expenditure via digestion and absorption with protein compared to any other nutrient. So what does this mean for body composition? It means that there is more of a caloric expenditure and a higher metabolic effect when eating protein. This is a good thing when on a diet aiming for fat loss because we will not only be preserving more muscle mass while consuming a higher protein diet, but we will actually be increasing our energy expenditure. This is one of the reasons why a lot of diet protocols have a high percentage coming from protein. So if you look at the average caloric percentage coming from protein in most diet uh, and nutrition protocols, it's going to be at least 30%, but sometimes up to 40%. And as calories drop down, if we keep protein where it's at throughout the fat loss phase, it could even go higher than 40%. The point being is we consume more protein because A, we only build muscle with protein or maintain muscle, and B, we actually burn more calories consuming protein compared to other nutrients. So it's kind of like an added benefit. Now, this isn't something that we should put all of our our, uh, cards into or, or bet all of our dice on because at the end of the day, it's not that big of an effect. It's not going to increase your fat loss that much. And just because you digest, so this is something very important for people to understand. If you look at the studies and the research done on this uh, on, the, on the deepest levels, they equate for this. So oftentimes, protein is about four calories per gram. We know that. This does not mean that you subtract 20 to 30% of the calories consumed by protein and assume just write it off, meaning ca- the, the calories are free. Um, from my understanding, a lot of the research actually shows that this is factored in. So protein is actually around five point something calories per gram. However, they subtract that 20 to 30% and give us the four calories per gram. Now, don't quote me on this. It's hard to find good research on this, but I have heard this plenty of times. I've read this plenty of times, and I do believe that some research shows this. Um, So don't count your calories and subtract 20 to 30% out of it because it's protein. It's not free food. Um, the point with this is there is a thermic effect of food and therefore a bigger percentage of our calories should come from protein because we burn more calories from it. That's just one of the added benefits here. Next, we have appetite reduction. We already touched on this inside of the muscle mass uh, discussion, but it's worth saying twice with some science to kind of back it up because it's just as important inside of a weight loss nutritional strategy as anything else. Protein is the most satiating nutrient, meaning it keeps you more full than carbs or fats do. Now, this can be debatable because some people will argue that they see more satiation through fats and carbs. I would then argue that your meal timing uh, in food selection probably is, is a little bit out of whack. But the point being is 
from a science-based perspective, protein is the most satiating nutrient. Now, this can be pretty individual as well because uh, in the in the kind of like the satiety rate from person to person, um, carbs and fats kind of go back and forth. Some people feel really full off carbs. Some people feel really full off fats. Some people don't feel full off either, so on and so forth. The point being is what we know from the data and the research is that protein is likely the most satiating nutrient there is. This is mainly because protein reduces your level of hunger hormone, ghrelin, which can regulate appetite. And second, because it also boosts the satiety hormone, peptide YY, which also makes you feel a bit more full. So there's actually some good science on a hormonal level to back up why uh, appetite reduction is a benefit caused from protein. So next, you can't overeat protein. I mean this in two different ways. The first being that it's almost impossible to get fat on lean protein sources because, well, just hard. Can you eat two cups of egg whites for breakfast, three chicken breasts for lunch, two steaks for dinner, and a bowl of cottage cheese for dessert? Probably not. You'll be stuffed and you'll probably be very uncomfortable. Now, I do not recommend this much protein to our clients because there's no significant benefit to increasing your protein higher and higher and higher. Plus, again, you will have some serious gastric stress, possible disaster doing this. But I do recommend higher protein intake, uh, and it proves to be successful in 99% of the people we work with. I say 99 because there's always 1% because it keeps them full, helps maintain and build more muscle mass, burns more calories through thermic effect food like we mentioned. And last but not least, it almost literally can't be stored as fat. In fact, they've done multiple studies where individuals consumed upwards of 2 grams per pound of body weight. That's 5.5 times the commonly recommended dose, by the way, for short periods and even two full years. They did short period studies and then people argued like, oh, the study wasn't long enough. This doesn't prove anything. And then they did a two-year full two-year uh, study, proved it again. Um, even though these extra calories cons- uh, were coming from protein, this group did not add any excess body fat or have any negative health implications. What this tells us is that A, protein is very unlikely to be stored as body fat ever, and B, a very high protein diet, although not conducive to extra muscle or strength, does not have any adverse health risk associated with this. What this means in simpler terms is you shouldn't consume ungodly amounts of protein, but if we have a slightly higher protein diet, we're probably not going to get fatter. So it's a good way to make sure we're blunting appetite or if we're struggling to stick to our macros during a diet because we're always hungry and having cravings, increase protein a little bit higher than uh, the, the recommended dose. We know based on these, these research studies that you're not going to have any serious health implications, any risks, um, and you're not going to store extra body fat. So if you add 100, 200 extra calories to your diet while in a deficit from protein and you don't have a specific deadline like stage, I don't think you're going to see a big slowdown in fat loss results. And I also think it's going to help you stay satiated so that you can adhere to the diet better. Um, again, it's not something I recommend to everybody, but it's also something that's not dangerous whatsoever. There's, it's been proven. The only downside of eating more than enough protein for some individuals, I wouldn't even say for everybody, is just gastric stress. So you might get a little bloated. You might get a little gassy. And there's not even any... There's no real evidence to show that that's a bad thing. Um, Obviously, it's not a good thing uh, from a social perspective, but we know that it's not damaging anything inside. Next, protein demands actually increase as you age. So as we get older, many processes stop or at least slow down. It's just part of the human life cycle. Luckily, keeping protein higher can actually prevent these catabolic processes from happening. I should say some of these catabolic processes from happening. More protein doesn't fix everything as we age. But 
both bone uh, health and growth uh, and muscle tissue health and growth declines as we age, but directly impacts but protein directly impacts these in a positive way by helping us maintain more of this tissue and preventing breakdown. Another process that slows down as we age is actually muscle protein synthesis, the anabolic effect protein has on our body. Because of this, we should actually increase protein a bit higher than average as we age. So even if you stop chasing the six-pack as you get older, you still need to be aware of your protein intake. And I think if we kind of look at both of these facts, the fact that bone and muscle tissue health and growth declines as we age um, and the rate of muscle protein synthesis declines as we age, it might actually be uh, like it's hard to tell like what came first, chicken or the egg. Um, I do believe that part of the reason that our uh, that studies show that bone health and growth and muscle tissue health and growth decline as we age Yes, it may be an environmental thing, a life cycle thing, a hormonal thing, but it may also be because on average, people don't know and are not aware to increase protein as they age due to the fact that muscle protein synthesis slows down. Therefore, they might be seeing these declines in bone and muscle tissue growth and health because they're keeping protein stagnant and or lower because they're less focused on their diet as they age. Um, just naturally, and therefore muscle protein synthesis is causing this issue. When in reality, would they have this bone and muscle tissue decline if they increased protein as they age? Now, this is a small amount. Uh, it's a very small amount that protein synthesis drops, but it's a noticeable amount. So it's not one of those things where like, oh, you got to consume twice as much protein after age 50. It's not like that at all. But it does say that, you know, after we hit age 30, we got to bump it up a little bit. 35, bump it up a little bit. 40, bump it up a little bit. Um, it's not infinite, but it's a small growth, and it makes sense to be consuming a little bit higher than average protein as you age. So what types of protein should we be consuming? This part is pretty controversial simply because my recommendations are not going to abide by the guidelines of a vegan or a vegetarian. So I'm, I got to start this by saying we work with vegetarians and vegans and we have for years now. So in saying that, what follows doesn't mean uh, results are, are impossible if you are not consuming animal products. But what the literature shows us is that plant-based proteins are less bioavailable and therefore do not have the same muscle protein synthesis or anabolic effect that animal sources tend to have. So when targeting body composition changes and performance enhancement, it is advantageous to consume animal-based proteins. There are ways around this as a vegan or vegetarian, uh, especially things like supplementation, nutrient timing, aiming for specific plant proteins uh, to be the majority of your protein intake, so on and so forth. Um, and we actually have an article on how to get jacked as a vegan, so we I will link that in the show notes. Uh, but the main reason why animal-based proteins tend to be more advantageous to body composition change is because of their amino acid profile and how it's better than that of a plant-based source. This basically means that the amino acid buildup inside of vegan sources is just not complete um, or it's not as high in certain amino acids, whereas amino uh, or uh, animal protein sources, sorry, do have a complete amino acid buildup, and this leads to better absorption of the right amino acids, especially leucine, which therefore leads to more muscle growth uh, and maintenance of muscle. And there's a lot of studies to prove this. Um, I can actually, like, again, I've linked the article we wrote on this topic, and we have like five or six studies proving this. So again, there's nothing wrong with being a vegan or vegan or vegetarian, especially if you were doing this from ethical or environmental reasonings. I understand that completely. I have friends that are that way. I've read books on it. I totally get it. Um, but what the research does shows us is that for health, longevity, and body composition change, 
There is a lot of vitamins and macronutrients and minerals that we need to consume inside of animal-based proteins, uh, animal-based foods in general that are going to be advantageous for longevity, health, hormonal health, muscle tissue, so on and so forth. So um, when looking at this, um, obviously, basically all types of animal sources, but the the main lean protein sources uh, that we uh, suggest are going to be chicken breasts, lean cuts of steak, fish, turkey breasts, ground turkey, low-fat and non-fat dairy. Um, I do suggest getting like really good quality organic brands for that. Um, egg whites, protein powder, and then some fattier sources are going to be salmon, tuna, lamb, whole eggs, uh, different types of steaks, whether it's ribeye, New York strips, so on and so forth, grass-fed beef, grass-fed bison, wild game. Um, again, all of those things I do highly recommend. Uh, grass-fed, grass-finished. I, I recommend wild-caught. I recommend cage-free. Um, my go-to is always going to be, I believe the eggs we get are called happy hens. Um, I got to look at that. Um, and then for all our meat, we go through butcher box. Um, I'm not affiliated with either of those things, but I do recommend both of them because you know where it's coming and you know it's good quality sourced. So how much protein should you consume? Let's get into the numbers here. This is the million million dollar question, really. I mean, um, for a long time, it, it, I mean, I shouldn't even say for a long time because it's still highly debated now. Um, and people have all these different calculations. And I think the reality is that it's more of a range. I don't think the difference between 0.75 and 0.82, right? It's so minute. Like even 0.8 to one gram per pound, like it's so minimal that I don't think you should stress about the little details. Um, So as you can probably imagine, as as you can probably tell by the way I just said that, my answer is it depends. Studies show that there isn't much difference in the results of body composition change uh, occurring between 0.72 grams per pound to 1.09 grams per pound. So we can just kind of classify that as 0.7 to 1 gram per pound, um, both which are higher percentage uh, percentages than most diets, especially if we consider what the average general population uh, is consuming. But what they did find is that the athletes on higher protein uh, intakes noted less fatigue from training. It did not store extra body fat despite the extra calories coming from protein, as we discussed earlier. The big takeaway is simple. If you like to eat some extra protein, do it. It really can't harm you, and there is a high probability that it might actually benefit you, especially if you are uh, in a serious deficit period uh, during your diet, so if you're in a fat loss phase. And the big thing there, too, is that between 0.7 to 1 gram, they didn't see big differences in muscle mass. So you may not build more muscle. However, you might lose some extra body fat and be less fatigued from training. So if we stretch that out, to a year-long study, I can almost guarantee you build more muscle because if you're less fatigued from training, guess what? Your volume and frequency and intensity will go up week to week, month to month. Therefore, you get more training in. Therefore, you build more muscle, period. Um, So my recommendations uh, is to set your protein somewhere between 0.7 to 1.2 grams per pound of your body weight depending on where you are at in uh, the body composition spectrum. So I actually have tables broken down for you inside the blog, but I'm going to go over them real quick. If you have 50 pounds or more to lose, I suggest 0.7 grams per pound of body weight. If you have 30 to 50 pounds to lose, I suggest 0.8 grams per pound of body weight. If you have 15 to 30 pounds to lose, I suggest 0.9 to 1 gram per pound of body weight. And if you have 0 to 10 pounds to lose, so the last bit of fat, I suggest 1 to 1.2 grams per pound of body weight. The reason that I suggest less protein as you have more weight to lose is because the more weight you have to lose, the less of your total weight is lean muscle tissue, lean tissue, lean 
weight, essentially. So the more weight you have to lose, the less protein you actually need because a lot of the weight on your body as a total is body fat, and that's why we're trying to target loss. Um, so protein requirements for gaining in uh, muscle growth. For a beginner, we're going to say 0.8 grams per pound because at the end of the day, you're probably consuming more carbs and you're a newbie. You could probably consume 0.5 grams per pound of growth. You're going to grow no matter what. Um, intermediate to advanced, which is basically anybody who has been lifting for longer than a year or two, you're going to do one gram per pound. The reason we don't go over one gram per pound in most cases is simply because you don't need it. Um, as your caloric intake goes up, the less protein you need because you're consuming more carbs and fats, which are both protein-sparing nutrients, but also you're far from being in a deficit. If you're chasing growth, you're probably in a surplus. And if you're in a surplus protein degradation isn't going to be at as big of a risk, meaning you're not going to be risking breaking down muscle tissue as much. So you don't need as much. However, what I will say is there are specific scenarios where I will take intermediate and advanced clients in a muscle gain phase over one gram per pound of body weight if, A, they are a female who is pretty light. So if you're a female who is pretty small and let's say you're 100 to 125 pounds, you're you're daily intake. So if you did one gram per pound, you're barely meeting the threshold per meal needed to maximize muscle protein synthesis, which we know is between 20 to 45 grams per meal. So if you're eating hundred grams a meal and you're eating five meals, you're barely tapping into that. And, and that's not including, uh, like all the plant-based sources or grains, right? So if you have oatmeal, if you have potatoes, if you have rice, like those things have protein in it. So I do like pushing you up a little bit higher. The other case is that if I'm driving carbs higher and higher and higher, I know that you're going to be getting more protein that is from unbioavailable sources, meaning you're going to get more of those proteins from uh, plants and grains and rice and stuff like that. So I'll give you a range. Like, hey, hit one gram per pound of protein. If you naturally end up going above this because we are adding carbs in your diet, let it go above. I don't care. Stay within 20 grams. I don't care. As long as you're not going below one gram per pound. Now, Protein requirements for maintenance. Uh, and we already went over fat loss. So the first recommendations I went over were for fat loss. Uh, then we went over muscle gain. Now we're going over maintenance. Ages 18 to 30, I would say 0.8 to 1 gram per pound of body weight. Ages 30 to 50, I would recommend 1 to 1.1 grams per pound of body weight. And ages 50 plus, I would recommend 1 to 1.2 grams per pound of body weight. Um, the exceptions with age-related intakes are dependent on current muscle mass and body fat levels. So this is most varying an individual kind of table or section of the three for sure. And the reason we went off age is because we're maintaining. So we can't really classify this as chasing any goal, uh, but rather an age limit. Um, and if you're in those ranges and you're maintaining, that means you're not in a surplus, you're not in a deficit, so you're going to be kind of steady. Um, now, one thing I will throw out there, guys, is, you know, I'm all about education. If you're listening to this and you're like, man, I really want to dive deeper, like obviously go check out the blog. But what I would also say is go check out the nutrition hierarchy. Uh, it's the free ebook that I give that breaks down all of these things. And it's really, really important that you get a deeper look into nutrition so you can set up your own diet in a successful way. And that's free. And I'm going to link that in the show notes. But let's kind of summarize this whole podcast now. We've gone over everything. Um, and at the end of the day, like looking at even at these tables, like when an individual has a lot of weight to lose and is starting from the obese quote unquote phase, uh, we can use much less protein within the diet because of the already stored energy on their body. Also, their lean body mass or true body mass is much smaller than their total weight on the scale, which lowers the protein target or intake needed by a lot. 
As we go into a caloric deficit, protein intake becomes not only more critical for muscle and performance maintenance, but also for satiety, which is a big factor inside dietary consistency and adherence. Therefore, at times, going over the needed protein target is not only safe, but it's recommended. And this is going to be anywhere between one gram, really all the way up to 1.5 grams per pound, depending on the individual. As we become older or more advanced in our training, protein may become more critical because our sensitization and processes become dampened. Essentially, as we age, we lose the ability to spike muscle protein synthesis and maintain bone and muscle tissue and health. As our caloric intake increases and we lean more towards a massing and building phase, however, protein is lower because we are taking in more carbohydrates and fats, which serve as fuel and protein-sparing nutrients. In other words, our bodies become less dependent on protein um, as a resource when our calories are above maintenance and or we are consuming enough carbs and fats. In general, protein is pretty damn important, not only for muscle growth, thermic effect of food, appetite reduction, the fact that you can't really overeat it, um, and that protein increases as we age, but it's a staple that has a lot of key nutrients in it as well. So, To cap off this podcast, I just want to say that A, protein is my favorite nutrient. B, you should probably be consuming enough of it. And C, it's probably the most important nutrient because if we look at all studies focused on body composition, we can alter carbs and fats with minimal differences to body composition change as long as calories and protein are equated. So protein kind of serves as this staple set point that allows us to dictate results and progress. If we set calories and we set protein, we can assume success. If we change fats and carbs around a whole bunch in different ways, but we keep protein and calories set, Differences in body composition are very, very minimal, if at all, which tells us is that carbs and fats can be manipulated based on training demands and adherence, while protein and calories need to be set based on the recommendations given in this podcast or in the blog that you can check out. And that's a, that's a fact. That's a, that's a research-based fact. We need protein and calories set at that point. Carbs and fats are the individual tool that we can manipulate a little bit to enhance results. The only time we can manipulate protein to enhance success is really going above the minimal requirement just to increase appetite reduction uh, in cravings and just make sure you're staying full during a diet, which is going to lead to adherence. So guys, I hope you enjoyed this podcast. I really enjoy doing doing these informative ones where we just break down a simple topic. And I think it's really important for you guys to look at every aspect of your diet and really dissect all the knowledge and education you can. So you, you understand each thing separately and you can actually combine them together successfully. So until next time, guys, I appreciate you being here. We'll talk soon. Before I let you go, I just want to say thanks. I seriously appreciate you spending this last hour or so with me, educating yourself to get better results. It still humbles me to this day that people around the world literally have me in their headphones or their speakers just to learn. It's so empowering and because of that, I have three quick things for you. The first one is a personal favor. Please leave me a five-star rating and review on iTunes. When you do this, not only does it help me learn and get better at making podcasts for you to get better results, but it helps us grow inside of iTunes, which allows us to invest more, again, to get you better results. The second thing, head over to boomboomformance.com slash sign up or click the link in the show notes to get your free copy of the Nutrition Hierarchy. 
This is everything you need to know about nutrition to change your body composition or performance inside of a manual. I take the leading evidence inside of research and all the principles, methods, and tools based on some of the top professionals in the industry, and I put them all in a book so you can learn more about your nutrition and get better results. The third thing, this is a personal invitation to shoot me a DM on Instagram or email me at Cody at BoomBoomPerformance.com. I will help you troubleshoot anything you need. This is literally an invitation to jump in my inbox and ask me anything you want and let me help you. All right, guys, that's all I got for you this time. I appreciate you being here and I'll see you next time.